The Aristocats, 1970. Reitherman's reign continues into the 70s with The Aristocats, another irreverent comedy that centers around three upper-class kittens and their mom. This film marks the first feature from the studio without Walt's name as a producer, and unsurprisingly the spot has been filled by Reitherman, alongside Disney company man Winston Hibbler, who had previously worked on story and lyrics for previous studio features. Reitherman's signature Xeroxing is flaunted in this film's charming opening sequence as several character moments are shown in outline over the opening credits, loosely introducing the audience to the cast and their personalities. Aristocats is a film I saw innumerable times growing up, and many line deliveries are cemented in my brain, but it was also remarkable on this watch how many sequences did not stick with me over time. Now that I am reaching films in the project that I have a history with, I am surprised by just how little of this one I enjoyed. The film opens on the cat's owner, a rich old woman named Adelaide, who is making her will and leaving everything to her cats. Her butler, Edgar, overhears this and plots to kill the cats to skip ahead of them in the inheritance. Adelaide's design is my favorite looking thing in the film, unfortunately a small part of it, and her movement is incredibly sketchy and showcases a vibrant palette. True to the film's title and Adelaide's status, the cats are upper class and fill the days practicing piano and painting. Duchess and her three kittens are all portrayed through strong visuals but are especially carried by distinct and charming vocal performances. Phil Harris returns to voice Duchess's love interest, O'Malley, but despite being the easy standout in The Jungle Book, he feels stale compared to the genuinely childish tone of the kittens and Eva Gabor's regal but doe-eyed demeanor in Duchess. The family of cats are completely unaware of the plot impetus of Adelaide's will and are blindsided by waking up the next day by the river, as Edgar slips sleeping pills into their milk and drives them out late at night. He plans to return the following night to finish the job, but by then they have met O'Malley the alley cat and are instantly won over by his charm. The dynamic between O'Malley and Duchess is comparable to Lady and the Tramp due to the class divide and personalities therein, but this film's romance never reaches the heights of its predecessor. This is partly due to balancing screen time with the kittens and an actual antagonist, but also the two simply have much weaker chemistry on screen. Like Reitherman's other comedies, this film includes many tangential asides and contained scenes for laughs, but even more so than Jungle Book and even Robin Hood, much of the comedy in this film rings hollow. Edgar is made to be completely bumbling in his scenes between the beginning and end, despite being fully capable of his deeds when the film requires him to be. And he is thwarted by two bumbling old dogs when he searches for the cats the second night. In Alice in Wonderland, a tangential scene for the sake of a big laugh can work, and that film is fundamentally built around connecting the seemingly disconnected as nearly every scene is centered on Alice's core arc in an effective way, even if not every joke or gag earns a laugh. This modicum of depth or theme in the comedy is where Reitherman often falters. Removing these scenes has no effect on the story and could potentially even strengthen the presence of Edgar as a villain. O'Malley guides the family back to their home over the course of a few days, Phil Harris's performance bouncing better off of briefly seen geese than Duchess, and here the film's sense of lighthearted comedy brushes up against scenes of genuine peril. One of the kittens falls into a river as the group avoids a train coming on the tracks, and the tone of O'Malley saving them is briefly very dire, but is instantly deflated again in exchange for the comedy of him being unable to swim, and the geese encouraging his attempts. He later introduces the family to his musician friends who play the charming song, Everybody Wants to Be a Cat, but not without another racist Asian character. The scene is otherwise fun and showered in changing colors as the tempo increases, and this group returns for the finale to save the family from Edgar's final plan of shipping them off to Timbuktu. True to Reitherman's run this far, the final action is entirely directed and blocked for laughs, including Rochefort the mouse yelling at everyone to stop so he can crack a lock, and everyone, including Edgar, freezing at his behest. Everyone collectively succeeds in defeating Edgar, pushing him into his own crate, which is promptly picked up by the shipping truck. 
O'Malley is adopted into the family, and the film ends on Adelaide and the lawyer drafting her will happily dancing again. While not without its charm, Aristocats falls short of Disney's more competent comedy and is the weakest film Reitherman directed, lacking the consistency and effectiveness of works preceding it in Walt's lifetime. The film had a successful box office run, however, keeping the studio afloat until new talent begins to join the department and new developments emerge across the next decade. Through the 70s, Disney struggles to find a solid and consistent voice between the old guard and the new kids until the renaissance finally hits in 1989. Next up, Robin Hood, 1973. Please go to ghostofjoe.com to see all these essays. You can also find a link to this one directly in the show notes of this upload. And there you will find in-text citations and works cited. And share it with anyone who you think cares a lot about Disney animation. You can also find myself on Twitter at Ghost of Joe, Ghost of J-O. The music used in this audio version is from The Skeleton Dance, a Disney Silly Symphony short. Thank you for listening and reading. <laughs>